hey, we are starting a new series. We're calling this series By Their Fruit. And we're going to be getting to the meaning of a metaphor that appears in the New Testament over and over. We see John the Baptist introduces it. Uh, The first time I see it in the New Testament, Jesus talks about bearing fruit many times. The Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of bearing fruit. We also see this in James and Jude in the book of Hebrews. So we want to try to grab hold of the understanding of it and make sure that we're doing this, that we're bearing fruit. And here's the main idea, that there is a causal relationship, you know, If this, then this. There's a causal relationship between the heart of a person and what they do or say. What's going on inside of us will show itself on the outside. Legalism is when you try to be good by what you do on the outside. You try to justify who you are on the inside by what you do on the outside. But this is completely opposite. The idea of bearing fruit is the thing that's going on on the inside then shows itself on the outside. You don't do something on the outside to show what's on the inside. You let the thing on the inside come and bear fruit, show the good thing on the outside. So this legalism thing is a big problem. When you try to just follow the rule, but you don't deal with the heart, it creates a big issue. Now I'm going to talk to husbands out there. I get to talk to a lot of husbands and I get to talk to a lot of married couples. And there are times where the husband is in trouble with the wife and he doesn't understand why. And he asks her, what do you want me to do? And she might say something like, I want you to look at me when I talk. And he'll say, oh, is that it? I just have to look at you when you talk. Great. Go ahead and talk. I'm looking. And then she's still not happy. And he says, but I did exactly what you said. How can you not be happy when I did exactly what you said? And he's following the rule, you know, and sometimes she'll have a list and he'll follow the list, but you can tell the heart isn't right yet. It's just outside actions. She's saying, I want you to look at me when I talk because she wants him to love her and care about her and be interested in her. It's not about staring at her with a yucky face and, you know, that's not going to work. The external behavior can't justify what's in the heart. The heart has to be there in order for the actions to work, for it to make any sense. So that's the idea of bearing fruit. It's not that the external action justifies what's inside the person, but the thing that's inside the person shows itself in the actions. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 20. Jesus is getting in a bit of a spat with the Pharisees because they were calling his disciples out for not washing their hands. You know, in the time of COVID, wash your hands. But this wasn't even an effective hand washing. It was a ceremonial washing. It didn't really matter a whole lot, but the Pharisees were getting after Jesus' disciples and he deals with them and talks about legalism and following these rules. If you wash your hands, does that show you to be a good person on the inside? Well, here's what Jesus has to say about that. They're kind of, we're picking it up halfway through this discussion. Matthew 15, verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. 
Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. This is like the scriptural equivalent of Jesus doing a face palm. You know, he's just like, Oh, I can't believe it. So the parable basically is what Jesus said in verse 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Peter considers this to be a parable. I'm not so sure that it's even a parable. He's just saying, look, when you eat a certain thing, that's not a matter of the heart, but what comes out of your mouth, that's a matter of the heart. I'm not even sure it's a parable, but they didn't understand it. So Jesus explains it. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So here Jesus was saying that, you know, following these nitpicky rules isn't what's going to make you a good person. It isn't what's going to justify you. It's about the condition of the heart. And this is especially bad if somebody has a dark heart, but then they follow some nitpicky religious rules. And then that makes them think that they're better than everybody else. And that they're, you know, they're doing great and they're using it to cover up the darkness that's in there. That's when it's really bad when you're trying to justify a dark heart by following legalistic rules. So let's look at a few examples of bearing fruit. That was the concept, but the terminology wasn't actually used there in Matthew. 15. Let's go to Matthew 3. John the Baptist is having revival services and it's going great. He's baptizing people. They're repenting. You know, it's just going good. All kinds of people are coming. And we pick that up in Matthew 3 verse 5 and it says this, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is pretty strong stuff. I can't imagine that happening in a church service in today's world, you know, or the preachers up there, you know, giving a good message of repentance and turning to God. And some people come in and he just calls them out. You know, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. It's clear that John the Baptist perceived that these people were coming not because of his sincere heart, but they were coming in order to fit in with the group and to make sure that other people saw them there and to keep some of their control over people. Something like that was going on. So he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If you've actually repented, I want to see you do things that a person who's repented would do. Okay, you're an apple tree now. You used to be a thorn bush. Now you're an apple tree. Let me see some apples. 
You know, I want to see some apples. I want to see the fruit of this. I want to make sure that what's, what you said happened in your heart is actually going on and that you're not just showing up for the baptism service as a legalistic thing that you check off the box. But is there really something going on in your heart? Is the heart change actually real? That's what he's talking about. That's what John the Baptist is talking about. And it's very harsh. He says, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So is it important for us to bear good fruit? Well, man, it is very important, but we need to understand what's going on here. You know, if it doesn't produce good fruit, it'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. You know, we want to take this seriously and understand what's going on. Make sure that we get to true repentance so that we can have the right heart and produce the right fruit. Jesus uses the same metaphor of producing fruit in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll go to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. Matthew 7, 15 says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So here we see Jesus talking about the fruit, and then also adding throwing the plant into the fire that does not produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit you know, is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is harsh stuff. We see a great echoing of what John the Baptist said in what Jesus said here, just a few chapters later in the Sermon on the Mount. So why does Jesus say to watch out for false prophets? Because there are false prophets and they don't all have to be false prophetic ministries, but this can be false leaders, false brothers and sisters in the Lord who really are going to take you to a place if you follow them that isn't good. So we need to watch out for leaders who are going to lead us in the wrong ways. We want to make sure that we're following people that have the right heart. So how do we tell if we're following the right leaders? And I tell you what, in today's Christian world, you know, if a, if a person comes to Christ and then they want to go attend a church, it's very confusing because there's all these different churches and they all have different opinions and all this different stuff and they have different church cultures and it's just, it's complicated. So how do you figure that out? Especially if you're a new believer. Well, Jesus is helping you out here. He says, look at the fruit. It's look at the important matters of the heart. Are those evident? If you see the important matters of the heart showing themselves and not just somebody faking it, you can tell. Then that's where you want to go. So let me talk about a few gray area examples. So I think we all know the charlatans and the evil cult people and all that stuff. You know, I I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the gray areas where maybe the person doesn't even realize that they're going down the wrong road. And maybe they were, they just slipped a little bit because that can happen. You know, I've been a pastor for 20 years. Pastors have spiritual highs and lows too. Pastors have temptations and they can get into a place where they're more worried about the organization of the church or their reputation or whatever than they are about the kingdom of God. You know, that's going to bear bad fruit. You don't want to get into that place. You know, I'm not saying that everybody with any little thing like that is going to, you know, be cut down and thrown into the fire. But hey, as a pastor, I understand. 
We need to work very hard to keep our heart in line with God. The reason for that is because it can be easy to slip. And so let's look at some gray areas. What are some people, types of leaders that you may want to avoid? Uh, The first one I've got written down here is somebody who knows the Bible really well, but who doesn't love people. Knowing the Bible really well is a good thing. But if you know the Bible really well, but you don't love people, the way you see the Bible and the way that you lead people into interacting with others, especially people who disagree with you, is going to get into a yucky place. That's a thing that that could be a problem. How about somebody who's a great speaker or a great musician, but they're prideful and unkind? A person who's got incredible talents usually can draw a crowd. But if that makes them prideful and they're unkind to other people, they don't have a humble heart, then if you follow them, you're going to pick up some bad things. A third example would be someone who's very disciplined in their service to God, but they have no joy. They're disciplined. They're able to get everything done on time and they get up early and all that stuff, but they have no joy in their heart. That's someone who's going to bear some bad fruit because the true fruits of the spirit are going to include things like love, joy, kindness. These are important parts of the fruit of the spirit that's going to show that that person is is in line with the spirit. So you want to watch out for the fruit. Look at the deeper things of the heart and that will show you if you've got people that you can follow or not, you know. So it's very important. I want to jump to Romans chapter 7. We're going to look at just a little bit of the Apostle Paul using this same terminology of the fruit, you know, this same metaphor. So let's read Romans 7, 4 through 6 says this. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. All right, so that's some deep stuff. But the basic thing that was going on here is that the Apostle Paul was trying to guide the legalistic religious culture out of that legalism and into the new way of the spirit. That instead of following the law being the thing that justified the person, you know, the idea of I did the rules, so I'm a good person. And then all the heart issues that occur with that, you know, when we're told what to do, we resist that. And there's all this stuff that goes on. And and so the, the law and then the battle of the sinful nature against it, all of that tends to lead people into bearing fruit for death, as he described it there. But when we let Christ in us and we're led by the spirit, then we bear fruit for the kingdom of God. So instead of the sinful nature battling with the law and we're trying to justify ourselves through external behaviors and that just leads to bearing fruit for death, instead, we want to get the inside cleaned first, get the inside dealt with. Christ in us, you know, the forgiveness and the redemption of the individual that then allows them to be led by the spirit and then do the right thing. 
It's the justification that comes from Christ that we don't earn, but we just receive that forgiveness and justification, receive the redemption, the born again nature, and then follow are led by the spirit. That's the new way of the spirit. That's what Paul is describing in Romans seven, four through six. And if you're familiar with those chapters, you know, this is about the battle the battle and the struggle. And that's an important thing to talk about. But the main point of introducing the idea of bearing fruit is this. Don't cover up a dark heart with good works. Let God change your heart so that you can do the right thing. That's the main point of bearing fruit. It's about the flow. It's not the action that justifies what's on the inside. It's letting ourselves be redeemed And getting the right things on the inside so that then it will bear fruit on the outside. That's the main point. And Jesus drives this home in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, where he's yelling at the Pharisees. Again, this is another situation where Matthew, um, where Matthew records Jesus having a battle with the Pharisees and chapter 23 is all the woes and Jesus just laying it thick on there. Uh, Let's read 25 through 28, because this is very, very important stuff. And, you know, as we're going through this, I want to let you know, if you've been the person who's trying to do the right thing to justify who you are on the inside, that's a tough one. This way is better. So let's see what Jesus has to say to his, his group here. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So this is just a straightforward, powerful explanation of the idea You know, not really using that term of bearing fruit, but showing that it's not about trying to look good on the outside while we hide the darkness on the inside, trying to say the right thing, even though we have the wrong heart, trying to do the right thing, even though we really, really don't want to do the right thing. We want to do the wrong thing, but we're going to do the right thing because we don't want to appear to be a bad person. So, is so important for us to clean the inside of the cup and dish because Jesus says in the outside will be clean too. get your heart right. And the actions will follow. They'll just naturally follow. How hard does an apple tree have to work in order to avoid bearing thorns? Well, apple trees don't bear thorns. They bear apples. So they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be thorn bushes growing on the end of the tree limb. It's going to be apples. It's not hard for an apple tree to avoid bearing oranges or grapefruit or plums. It's not hard for the apple tree to avoid that. It just naturally happens. How hard is it for an apple tree to bear apples? Well, if the conditions are right, it happens naturally. Now, if there's a severe drought, it's going to be difficult. If there's an 
infestation of some kind, you know, there's bugs eating everything, it's going to be hard on that apple tree. If there's some kind of disease and mold or something, it's going to be hard on that apple tree. That's something that we go through in our lives as well. You know, if we're trying to serve the Lord, but we're all dried up on the inside or that sort of thing, you can be that regenerated person, but you're just so thirsty and there's so many difficulties in your life. It can be hard, but you're not going to just have a bunch of oranges come. It's going to be apples. Now, how hard does a thorn bush have to work in order to bear apples? Is a thorn bush going to bear apples? Well, I tell you what, that that thorn bush would have to work really, really hard, right? In fact, it's actually futile. The thorn bush is not going to succeed. And that's where we are when we try to serve the Lord from a wrong heart, but trying to do the right actions. It's frustrating. It's difficult. It's really, it's a futile thing to try to do that. Yet so many Christians are stuck trying to act good, But when their heart isn't right, they're trying to do something, but it doesn't flow naturally. It doesn't come from the heart. It comes from trying to learn different rules and what am I supposed to do and that sort of a thing. No, it needs to come from the heart and it's frustrating and it's futile. It puts you in the same boat as the legalistic Pharisees. But let me ask you this question. I mean, we all do things that we want to do better with, right? We all make mistakes. People sin part of the deal. We want to overcome that. But when was the last time that, you know, let's just take a simple, simple example. Let's say you're trying to eat right. You know, I'm trying to eat right. And you realize that you just gained 10 pounds, you know, and oh man, I'm going to try to do better. I know, no, I'm not going to try to do better. I will do better. Is that, does that always work? A lot of times it doesn't, you know, we want to do the right thing, but if there's a a thing on the inside that isn't there is going to stop us from succeeding. We'll get into that again when we talk about Romans 7 and 8. We'll get deeper into that. But, you know, we can kind of know what the right thing is. But if our heart isn't in line with that, we're not going to naturally do it. It's not going to work out. I might want to lose weight, but I also want to eat two pizzas. You know, and when those things collide, it's going to create a problem. And so many Christians, when they're dealing with an issue in their life, their first go-to is, yeah, I'll, I'll not try harder. I'll do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do, I resolve to do better. Is that what the idea of bearing fruit is talking about? No, resolving to do better is trying to fix the behavior. What we see scripturally is we need to fix the heart. And then the behavior will naturally change. Now, if you want to do something bad, grit your teeth and don't do it. (laughs) That's a good thing to do. Grit your teeth and don't do the bad thing. You know, you want to break some commandments? Don't do it. Grit your teeth. Don't do it. But if you stay in that place for too long, it's going to wear you out because you're trying to act differently than what your nature wants to do. If you've got that sin nature with a strong foothold in your heart, it's going to lead you into the wrong ways. And you're just going to have to try to resist that through willpower. But instead, if you can get the right heart in there, then the natural flow will be to do the right thing. And it won't be any harder than an apple tree bearing apples. The fruit will come. If you're a thorn bush and you're trying to have apples come out, it's futile. It's hard work. It's frustrating. And you're going you're gonna to give up over time because it's just too hard. 
So many Christians are stuck there. They're trying to do good, but it's futile. They're in the same boat as the legalistic Pharisees. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to follow the rules, but they're not dealing with the root of it. They're not dealing with the heart. They're not going down to where they need to go. So how do we deal with this? First thing, when we're talking about bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, the fruit of the spirit, you know, the apostle Paul in Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit. He doesn't say the fruit of your effort, the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your knowledge, the fruit of your rules. It's the fruit of the spirit. So we need to go to the right place to grab hold of this. Resist the urge to just mimic the right behavior. You know, we know what the right behaviors are. Resist the urge to just mimic that and then let it go. Instead, go into the deep place of the heart and get in line with God so that you can have the right heart and bear the right fruit. You know, Jesus said that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. We'll dig into that again with Romans 7 and 8, but Here's the deal. We've got to uproot the bad tree and we got to get the good tree planted in there. Because if we're just trying to bear good fruit with the bad tree in our heart, Jesus said the good tree can't bear bad fruit and the bad tree can't bear good fruit. So we're, we're in a futile situation. It's not going to work. How do we uproot the bad tree and plant the good one? We'll talk a little more about this next week. We're going to talk about the vine and the branches and abiding in the vine next week. But today I want to read Acts 2.38. This is our closing scripture, Acts 2.38. Peter has been addressing the crowd. These are the people who yelled crucify. They wanted Jesus crucified. And then he rose from the grave. And now it's been quite a while. We're, we're at Pentecost now. So we're like 50 days. And here is where Peter speaks to the crowd after the great miracle of them being able to speak in all the languages of the people. It gets everybody's attention. Amazing miracle. And then Peter speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit convinces them that Jesus is the Christ and they crucified the Christ. And now they're in real trouble because you guys just crucified the son of God. And they are heartbroken. They're cut to the heart, it says. And then they asked Peter, what should we do? Maybe you're in that place where you're thinking, I'm trying to follow the rules. It's not working. I hear what you're saying, Pastor Mike. I need to have the right thing in here so that I naturally do the right thing, but it's not in here. I'm stuck. What do I do? It was the same answer from 2000 years ago. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we need to receive forgiveness and regeneration. Forgiveness is an acknowledgement that I cannot justify myself. I can't, through my actions, make myself good. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we need something other than our actions to justify us. And that is the blood of Christ shed on the cross. And it's enough to clean the inside of the cup and dish to set us free from the sins we've committed and the identity that we have as the one who did that bad thing the one who fails in this way. We can be separated from that and forgiven 
utterly and completely and totally forgiven. The blood of Christ is sufficient for your forgiveness. But then Peter says, receive the Holy Spirit. We need forgiveness and redemption, but we also need regeneration. We need to be forgiven and we need to be born again. We need to start fresh. We need to go forward in a different way. Not just the same old person who's been forgiven, but a new creation, new in Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit of God and pushing out the dark spirits, the the yucky stuff in our heart. And instead we have the Holy Spirit guiding us now. So we receive forgiveness and we receive the Holy Spirit. This is how we get started. Sounds easy, you know, <laughs> and it's pretty simple. And next week we'll, we'll talk more about working through the process because it, it really is that simple, but it's sort of like uh, in Philippians where it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's simple, but sometimes it's hard to put into practice. This is simple, but we have to battle to get to the fullness of it. Today, if you're in that place where you need forgiveness, where you you realize maybe you've been trying to do the right thing to, to be a good person, but now you know your actions can't make you a good person because any mistake negates all of that. So from the outside, we can't cleanse the inside. Christ will do that. We can be washed through the blood of Christ, forgiven. And then the darkness is removed from us and we must receive the spirit of God, the Holy spirit to then guide us into the good things of God. So if you need that forgiveness, if you've never given your life to Christ, now is your time. If you've been works-based and you didn't really realize it because you didn't, you didn't see how this works, then you need to receive that forgiveness on the inside. And then if you've been trying to do this on your own effort, receive the Holy Spirit. Open your heart to the Spirit of God to guide you to do the right thing. That's where we need to be. Forgiveness and regeneration. Redemption and new life. So let's pray. If you've got a specific prayer need, you can email our prayer teams, prayer at goodhope.ag. They'd love to pray with you about anything. Well, let's pray together about understanding how to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, that it's about getting the inside right and then letting the right actions show themselves. So let's pray about bearing fruit. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you for your plan. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to figure out how to justify ourselves through our actions. We don't have to figure out how to do enough good things to earn your favor. But Lord, we need to confess our sins to you, acknowledge our failure to you, and then you cleanse us. You forgive us. You take that away. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, for the one who has never heard your gospel before, I pray right now that they would reach out to you and ask you for forgiveness and pledge their life to walk with you and that you would fill them with your spirit right this moment. And Lord, for the believer who's been trying to justify themselves through their actions, who's, who's got the, the cart before the horse, who's trying to prove themselves with what they do, but has been covering up a dark heart. Lord, for that one, let them 
understand that and confess that to you and ask to be cleansed on the inside, forgiven and cleansed and to receive of your spirit that they may have Christ dwelling in them, the hope of glory, and they may have the spirit in them, guiding them through this life. May they receive of your spirit in a powerful, mighty way right now so that the actions flow naturally. A spirit of love, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace, a spirit of patience and kindness and self-control, Lord, your spirit. And Father, for all of us, help us to connect with you, abide in the vine, and walk in your ways. Strengthen us and help us to be good ambassadors for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.